right, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome you to yet another Bowman Legacies podcast. Uh, today, uh, we're just going to skip sponsors or skip all of that because I get the privilege of being able to hang out today with someone who in such a short time I have just loved with all my heart. I've never met anyone so supportive and so kind and so genuine. It is my distinct honor to introduce to you Linda F. Martin, PhD, safety professional, Lorax, and a host of the Safety Struggle Podcast. Linda, thank you for being on the Bowman Legacy Show. Oh, Michael, you are a lovely gentleman. Thank, thank you for such a nice introduction. Hello, everybody. <laughs> oh, so this is, uh, you, you know, I'm very, for those of you who don't, don't know, I'm extremely, uh, to my wife's uh, chagrin, extremely disorganized or unorganized and uh, very sanguine and phlegmatic at times. And so I've been threatening Linda with being on the podcast like uh, 40 times now, <laughs> and I've never made it happen until today. Yeah, Here we are. Here Let's we do are. it. So Linda, for those of my listeners that may not be familiar with you, or vice versa, because we'll share this, you know, okay. let's, let's give the first time listener just a view of what got you started where you're at? Because what I would like to do by the end of this podcast to give a full view of where you started and where you're at, both professionally and personally. So, so you want me to start from birth? Yeah, I want you to start from the day you were born. No. <laughs> I want, okay, I was born in Toledo, Ohio. No, uh, it was dark that day. And, right. um, it's raining. It was raining, yes. No, uh, really what I want you to do is just tell us, so for you professionally, what's your direction like in the very beginning to, to, to embark on that journey and hard work and determination to become a PhD and to, to be a safety professional? Sure. So I'm, I'm going to start you at college, right? Yep. Um, back, back in the day, they used to test us to, uh, you know, to see what, what career we should be in, right? Yes, I remember. Yeah. And, and in high school, you were, if you were a female, no matter how you took the test or how you answered, you were always a teacher, um, a librarian, or a nurse. Yeah. And, um, you know, they spun the wheel and they told me I was supposed to be a teacher. And I, you know, I, I was like, I don't want to be a teacher. Uh, you know, I want to, yeah. I want to do something else. And I was big into sports at the time. Oh, really? So, um, you know, and I didn't know what I was going to, yeah, you don't know what you're going to do when you're 18 years old. No. Nobody does. No. Right. And um, so I'm going to go off. Um, here's my first rant. Nobody knows at 18 years old. Well, very few people, some people do, yeah. um, you know, who you are and what you want to be when you grow up or where you're going to end up like myself. And so then they push you into college. And they're like, go, go find your career. Yeah. And so I, I thought. Plug well, into the know, system right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the system's broken. But oh, yeah. so they pushed me into college and I was like, oh, I think I'll be a physical therapist. Right. Because that that meshes with uh, the sports thing. So I went to school for physical therapy. And one of my first courses, they, they worked on cadavers yeah. as one of the bi biology classes. And as soon as they opened the cadavers, I was like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> forget I'm this. I, I'm I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to drive home. Forget college. Yeah. And the only thing that stopped me was I walked, as I was walking out of the building, I, I noticed a, a showcase of rocks 
and it said, be a geologist, study the earth, right? You're like, that's safe. I was like, I am so in, right? <laughs> I mean, like, I, I like nature. I'm good. And so four years later, I end up with a geology degree and I'm like, I thought, what am I going to do with this? Right. Because it was around the time when oil was nowhere. It was the nine, early 90s. Right. So right. there was there weren't any jobs in oil. Yeah, it was the beginning of the letdown. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. So I ended up in environmental consulting, which oh, wow. taught me a lot about safety. Um, taught me a lot not about safety. Right, because the Haswapper rule, the hazardous waste operations, uh, you know, whatever it is, Haswapper, yep. came out in 1990. Nobody knew how to protect employees at hazardous waste sites, right? Right. And so all these people that were hiring people like me right out of college were, they were winging it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I had one boss, one of my first boss in the environmental field, took me into a, a mill building. And uh, I don't know, for your listeners, they used to have asbestos in the mill buildings and they used to spray it everywhere because it was a really great um, fire retardant. Oh, yeah. And um, like a heat for heat. Right. And he took me into this mill building that we were assessing and he said, now I'm going to open this door and don't breathe too hard. I said, what? He said, don't breathe too deeply. And I'm like, you know, and I just went (gasps) and he opened the door. And it was like it was snowing inside this building. The roof had caved in and there was sprayed asbestos everywhere, Michael. And, and I was, you you know, you don't know what you're looking at. You're 21 years old. Right. And, and he shuts the door and he goes, that was asbestos. (laughs) Just so you know. Yeah. Funny, not funny. Funny, not funny. Stay away from there. (laughs) And this is the same guy that had, um, he had a diving uh, branch of his business. He was a small business, but he did underwater dam inspections. And so he oh, certified wow. me. Yeah, he certified me as part of my job to do open water diving, diving to look at um, the construction of dams because he did civil engineering too. That's cool. Same guy said to me one day, I came in the office and he said, he's looking at me and he's sizing me up. He goes, you know, how, if you had to figure out the diameter of your shoulders with a tank with scuba tank on your back. He said, what do you think it would be about like 24 inches? And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, <laughs> <Why>? well, <laughs> he said, I got this, I got this damn it. Then, and the client says that there's a crack in, in the draft tube of the dam and the draft tube goes up into the rotors. Right. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, and I thought, you know, we'll have him shut the dam off. And then you would swim up with the camera in front of you and, and camera the, the inside of this tube, right? And if you're the right diameter, you could swim up there. And I said, well, how, how am I getting out? He said, oh, yeah, no problem. He said, we're going to tie a, a, a string, you know, a, a rope to your feet. And then, you know, you'll, you'll pull on the rope or whatever when you want to come out and we'll pull you out by your feet. Great idea. I look for jobs the next day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm Gonzo. <laughs> yeah. You know, so so. Good I mean, thing so, I didn't have that job at 17. I'd be like, right on, let's do this. You yeah, know? yeah, right. You know, for a second, I was just like, you know, this is the start of my safety career. You know, where you start to think this doesn't seem <laughs> legit. <laughs> like, like I don't. I mean, I don't feel comfortable with this. 
And, um, you know, I stayed in the environmental field for, for a long time and, but had a keen interest in safety just because I saw a lot of exposure going on and a lot of mm-hmm. risk and nobody was really doing anything about it. Yeah. No. Um, had another job. It was on uh, Air Force Base that was being decommissioned. And they have on uh, former Air Force Base flight lines, they had these 50,000-gallon tanks mm-hmm. in farms, eight, eight of them in a hole, right? So as you imagine, you take out eight 50,000-gallon avgas tanks and the soil around it, and there's a big slab down there about 30 feet down. And I had one of my supervisors say, okay, now, Linda, can, can you just... Uh, we got to survey that slab. So can you just run down that sand hill, jump over the water that has, that that's accumulated at the bottom, kind of like a moat around the concrete, jump over it onto the slab. And it, uh, while you're doing this, hold the rod, the survey rod in your hand, and then, you know, let them survey it. And then you climb, and then you climb right back up that, that, uh, you know, the sand, the caving sand side. And I said, I, I'm sorry, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm out, right? Yeah. Um, so, short, so short version, I eventually kind of found my way all the way into safety because I was just like, I can't, I can't see um, what goes on with these young people. Yeah. Go on with me. Right. That makes sense. It's perfect sense, man. Perfect. You know, so you didn't know what you're so, doing was wrong. Sometimes, you know, when you're younger, you're just an older guy just comes up and tells you to do something. You just go do it. Right. Right. And especially in construction. Right. I mean, oh, there's, yeah. there's a big, um, you know, kind of like a machismo kind of even for women, young women in, in the profession that like somebody asks you to do something, you go do it. And 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 it's, um, you know, it's a rite of passage. You're you're the oh, new yeah. guy or the new gal. Oh, yeah. And um you know, so, so that, that was my interest in, in safety and it kind of went, you know, kind of into a project management role and then, you know, leading jobs and, uh, writing safety plans and then into corporate safety direction. And finally into teaching, I found my way into teaching and which by the way, my high school said I should do. You should be a teacher. <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> But you did better than me. I got, when I did the assessment, I got, um, underwater welder or oh, I, like that. Which I would have done, I, I would have done that. Uh, but I live in a landlocked state. So underwater <laughs> welder or, um, uh, uh, funeral, uh, what is it? Um, funeral director, funeral director, mortician, mortician, <laughs> mortician. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know. So my, Michael, you, I mean, you have a, a super pastoral side. Mm-hmm. You know, for anybody that, that knows you, um, I, I, I think you were a pastor or yes. probably still partially are a pastor, yes. right? Because of the way that you live your life. And um, so, I mean, I guess the funeral business is kind of, <laughs> kind of, you know, peripheral to that. <laughs> Funny thing. Yeah. I ended up doing several funerals, but I <laughs> actually, you know, yeah. preparing the body or anything. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I I don't think I would have been good in that. But I but I think underwater welder, um, I'd sounds done. like amazing. Yeah, yeah, I would have done that in a heartbeat. Um, you know. so um, 
your life as, you know, it's so funny how life is, right? You know, you have these directions, you have these dreams, you have, like you said, you're 18 years old. We're all going to be movie stars at 18. Oh, yeah. you know, we're all going to be rich, you know, and you look over your buddy and you're like, he's not going to be rich, but by God, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to live in the big house. I'm going to have the underground pool, the cool car and, and the, the private jet. I don't know if you want to live in the big house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, not the big house, but a big house, <laughs> not the big house. And um, I had friends that went to the big house, actually. <laughs> but your buddy's over there thinking the same thing, you know, he's thinking the same. But when you grow older, it just certain things happen. Life moves forward. And you have met just a lot of challenges along the way. You know, a lot of people just assume that you've gotten to where you're at right now, just out of happenstance. And, you know, it was just all given to you. But there's been hardships along the way that you've had to overcome both personally and professionally. And so there you are. You know, I know we kind of buzzed through that, but look at that catalog of work where you're like, you know what? Uh, in college, I didn't know what I was going to be. Things happened. I walked out, I became a geologist. That didn't work out. And then I became this and I became that. But in all those times, someone was trying to put you in a position where you could die. Mm -hmm. and, and drowning ranks right up there with stabbing to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't, was, any suffocation type thing. I'm yeah, out. blade, you know, just creeping in and then out and then back. It's just awful. Like on the old Batman movies, right? Where it stops right. just before it cuts you in two. Yes. And so uh, <laughs> that just sucks. And, you know, being in both times of suffocation, you know, drowning or being covered up in sand and swallowed up and, and uh, yep. God only knows what's in that water. Yep. And for you, you had to come to a very strong point where a lot of people don't. And, and I want to look at that for a second. I don't want that just to fly by us because we have a lot of blue collar people that listen to this podcast, listen to your podcast. And that's who Bowman Legacies chooses to focus on. That's who your safety struggle chooses. Your podcast chooses to, to really focus on. That's who we're all about. We want to make life better for blue collar people because we've been there. But so many blue collar people don't make that choice like you did. What was it about you that was so passionate and different than everyone else where you said, you know what, this stops with me. I, I want to do something about this. And, and I know you're just like, oh, you know, then I ended up in safety. But really, that was a cognitive choice so much that you have a podcast called The Safety Struggle. Do you want, do you want me to get heavy, heavy, deep and real here? here Come Michael? on, bring it. I, okay, I'm going to bring it. So I've always had this, this sense of self-preservation, right? <laughs> And that, um, you know, that comes from a tough home life. Uh, I'm, I'm just be real honest. Yes, um, I mean. had uh, a very hard home life. I had um, a father who was an alcoholic. Never knew what was going to happen with him. Um, a lot of times feared for the safety of the people around me. Um, watched a sister go wayward. Um, ran away when she was 15 or something with the people who work for the carnival. And, um, and so my re my reaction as a, as a young person was to um, be very internal. And, and by internal, I mean, um, uh, do a lot of thinking, a lot of uh, just self-preservation. Like, I feel like my, my whole upbringing was self-preservation, just get through, and it'll be okay. Mm -hmm. And so I think whether you call it instinct or you call it that 
um, you know, self-preservation or what, whatever you want to call it. I think it's an instinct now for me yeah. um, that when something's not right, listen to it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think many of us have that instinct that something's not right, but maybe it's just not as honed as others. And so that's, for me, that's where that came from was if this is not right and it doesn't feel good, then I've got to change it. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and so I did the same thing with my career. If it, if it didn't feel right, or I, you know, it, it felt unsafe or it felt um, not like the perfect situation. I, I did a lot of moving around. Um, and now I like what I do. Yeah. I like podcasting and I like teaching and, and maybe someday I won't. Right. So the, the message for me is that follow your instinct, but always know that if you start out as something when you're 17 or 18 years old, that doesn't mean you have to be it forever. Right. Right. You, you don't. That, that's a strong message here. I love that. You know, and we, I want to stop there too. And that's such a nugget of truth. There's something so powerful in what you just said. We have these paradigms. We love to stand on top of those paradigms because we feel safe there. And I, I feel safe by putting you there. And we learn at these very, when we're very young, we don't know any different. I was raised and you were raised in certain ways that we thought things were right. And then all of a sudden, that was just by our own examples. We weren't able actually to think for ourselves. And then when we get outside of that situation, we look back and realize that those truths that we once heard were very wrong and damaging to not only ourselves, but to others around us. And so often, young people, and I want to reach out and talk to you that are young out there, that you're 18, 19 years old, getting ready to go to college, you're freaking out. You think, man, I've got to choose right now who I'm going to be. What, what's life going to look like? And, and am I going to make it till I'm 90? Well, I got to pick that right now. Yeah. And it's hard to enjoy the right now when you do that. Oh, absolutely. Right. The, the, it, it's easier when you're older to say, I'm in the right here now. Yes. It, it is. It's not, it's yeah. not super simple, but, but <laughs> no. Um, you have enough life experience and you have enough that, that you, you just know things are going to change, right? The right. bottom's going to fall out. The shit's going to fly. Mm-hmm. The, the ceiling's going to cave in and you may not know when that's going to happen. So you have to have faith in yourself and your higher power and the people around you that they're going to help you weather that. Right. Okay. When you're 17 or 18 years old, there is no way you're going to know who you're going to be at 50. No. And it's a, to me, it's a shame that we encourage young people or not so much to go to school, right? By all means, go to school, pick a, pick a, or, or choose a trade, right? Yes. And by all means, pick something. But in four years of apprenticeship or five years of apprenticeship or four years of school or six years of school, however long it takes you to get out, if you don't like it anymore, use that experience to catapult yourself yourself to somewhere else. And that's okay. It is okay. People, and, and I think we so often want to have the approval of other people. You know, one of the things, like I'm a big fan of Ed Milet. I mention him all the time and only because... I believe in the guy. I believe in what he's doing. You know, there's been a lot of those guys out there like Ed, but he's proven it before he's done it. 
And so he comes into the industry in a little bit different angle. In other words, he doesn't need the money that he's making. <laughs> and he's just doing it for the sole reason of helping people. And he's, he talks about, you know, you can't sit there and rest on the approval of other people. And I know growing up for me, I worshiped my dad, man. And I just, you know, I mean, I had certain rules of if I did X, Y, and Z, I was no longer his son. Mm. And so I was always seeking his approval. Then when I knew I couldn't get it, I realized that later in life, I just kept trying to find new dads. So any place I'd go to work, I'd just go knock it out of the park because my manager, Linda, he was my new dad now. And I mm. would do whatever it took to fit into his paradigm and fit into what he expected of me. And it's just like when you're going to college, you know, some people, I've heard people say, well, my parents want me to be this, or my parents want me to be a lawyer, or want me to expect me to do that. And, you know, we tell our own kids, my, my youngest is a, is a ballerina. She's amazing at what she does and she's outstanding. But if she decides that bass fishing is it for her tomorrow, I'm going to support her in bass fishing. Now I'm going to warn her and say, hey, look, you're good at this. You might regret this, but ultimately the decision is hers. And yeah. you know what I mean? And so you can't, you can't just sit there and rest upon and put your life and your hope in being a sheeple in such mm -hmm. a way that you're allowing other people to manipulate who you're going to be, how you're going to live your life, and how you are choosing to, to invest in the remainder of your life. Right. So right. for you, how did you break out of that mold? How did you, how'd you get out from underneath that? <laughs> I don't know if I've gotten out from underneath <laughs> it. So, so, you know, I, I just want to jump back to what you just said about like, you were always looking for approval from your dad. So you would, you would go to these job sites and you try to find a new, you know, the, the dad to please. Yep. And so on the flip side, because my home life was so unpredictable, right? I formed my own high expectations for myself. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I, and, and, and honestly made those expectations so unattainable at times. Yeah. That, uh, and, and then, and then tried to make it be, be like, oh, well, my mom expects this of me or, oh, you know, this person expects it of me, but really who was expecting it of myself was me. And yeah. I was setting the bar so high that I was driving myself insane. Wow. Right. Right. And so you know, how did I break free of that? I mean, you know, I mean, the PhD was another one of those things that, you know, I just from a little girl set that expectation for myself that I would get my PhD. Hmm. And, um, you know, am I glad I did it? Yeah. I mean, I, ach I achieved a goal that I set for myself when I was like five. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, ha have I broken free? I, th I think in the respect that I recognize it. And um, it took a long time, you know? And so, so what you're doing is super important with Bowman Legacies. It's super important because you're helping people realize it, not only on their own terms, right? right. But maybe before they make that mistake or, they, or they, they take the direction that they think they're supposed to take and they get a little guidance and they find that there's a direction that the, the path that is kind of covered with the brush yeah. that will delight their soul and make them feel uh, to, to break free, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think one, one thing that's been great about meeting people like you is that 
I think together we're all trying to do something here that's positive. We're trying to change an industry. You know, um, I know that you have plans to do more, you know, and you yeah. have things on the horizon and those things are all about helping people. Yeah. Um, you know, safety struggle. It's all about, you know, it, it, as I've listened to it, man, if you took all your episodes and boiled it down, it would all about be taking the mask off the fallacies of safety yeah. and fallacies of uh, kind of our work endeavors and, and upper management and how upper management handles the safety and how safety handles the field. And it, it's powerful. It's powerful. So you've chosen in that way to kind of carry that sword. And here we go. We're going to talk about paradigms now. Mm -hmm. So that's been a box that you've been put in or that you have built. And now <clears throat> you want, you're hungry for more. I am. You're hungry for more. And I love <laughs> that. I love people that, it, because I'm the same way. I am never enough, but I am enough, right? I yeah. never can learn enough. And it's a positive thing within me. I have a I have a, uh, a client that I told him, I was like, man, you got some monster in you that started your business. And I said, but you need to feed this monster. Yeah. Because he's, you know, he's just in this place where he's like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know why I'm not satisfied. It's because you need more. <laughs> and it's a yeah. positive thing. You know, it's not hurting anybody. His more, his version of monster loves to eat good things. And yeah. so you got to feed that monster. So for your monster and you're feeding it, Linda, what, what is next on your radar? You've got your sights set on some things and and let's just talk about dreams and, and moving forward in this new thing that you're doing. So, you know, I started the podcast thing kind of on a wing and a, wing and a prayer, right? I didn't even know if I was going to like it. Um, I had several people talk me into it. They said, you know, you just, you like to talk. You should just talk. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> and, um, you know, I started the safety struggle and, and I do care a lot about safety, but I care very much and as most safety people do very much about people yeah and and what makes them tick right mm -hmm. and 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 their truth what's their truth and if you do listen to my episodes you'll you'll find that i talk about safety but i more so talk about people oh, yeah. and and how they feel about things and and you know their str their struggles and their pain points and and those types of things and so um that's my monster, right? Is that I like to talk to people I, and I love to feed that monster. And, oh, yeah. and I make, I pay the bills other ways, right? Yeah. I teach, I consult, I write books, I do all those other things. But what feeds Linda Martin is um, helping people find their truths, yeah. right? And sometimes it's just through a conversation or finding new brothers like yourself and, and Nate Brayman and, and Pedro Maciel. And, so I know that I can do more. So my new thing is starting my own channel. Um, and I've told you about it uh, yeah. at length. <laughs> so, <laughs> Soundforge Digital. And, um, you know, you, you, you should like that because, you know, you, you have the linked shields. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I'm talking about forging metal into something that um, people can use, something useful. Yeah. And, I'm not just looking for safety podcasts. I'm looking for people who, who speak truth, right? Yeah. And who speak, like when you turn them on, and, and this, is, this is how I feel when I turn on Instagram and I listen to your parking lot preaching. <laughs> I turn it on and you're, you're, you're speaking to me, okay? Yeah. 
And I hope that when I speak to people on the safety struggle, that when somebody turns that on, they find a kernel of something that they can take. And so my goal is to find a suite of people who want to do what I do or want to give it a try or, or whatever. Right. But the catch here is that I don't, I don't need to make money to do it. I, li- I like money. Money. I like money. Oh yeah. I, I like, everybody I, likes money. Right. Yeah. I mean, we got to eat, we got to have shelter. We got to have those things, but I do many things to make money. What I want to do here is give people a voice. Right. And I have right now, unless I get a hundred podcasters, I have the means to give people the platform to go and do that. Yeah. And you know, I, I do have a couple of people that I, I won't mention. I'll, I'll tell you off the air um, that have, have come on board with me. And I'm so thrilled yeah. to just provide something for free where they can do their own thing and there's no restrictions, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, please don't get me sued. Yeah. But, <laughs> but there's no restrictions on what your creativity is. And I think for me, what heals me is the creativity of what what we're doing. Yeah. Right. And I say we, because I I podcast and I talk to people, but you, you, what you do with people at Bowman Legacies is you also use your creativity to see ways to um, help people understand their path. Yeah. Creative ways, creative ways, right? Because you've talked about voyagers and, and Mm -hmm. dragon slayers and, and, People can relate to that. Yeah. And so I I mean, I think I think what I'm doing is creative. And all of a sudden, the fact that I can be creative, maybe I was meant to be in radio. <laughs> well, you've got great voice quality. I've always said that I told you that day, day one. I was like, Linda, holy cow. This is Linda likes great. to talk. You've got a great voice, man. This is awesome. My wife said the same thing. She's like, dude, she just built for it, man. I was like, I know. And I, but I love this too. And it, you know, and it's, and all of it is, everything comes from my heart. I I can can be no other way at this point in my life. I'm so raw and moldable that, um, you know, my, my gift is that freedom from, as you said before, what, what held me back and that, that gift is creativity and the gift is giving something to somebody else, um, that they, didn't think they could afford, yeah. right? Or that they didn't think they could do ever because this is not hard. Talking to people is not hard. Not for you. Well, not, not for me, right? Yeah. But, but maybe somebody comes to it and they find, they find their voice. Yeah. And even if it's for one episode and I run one episode of them doing whatever they do, maybe that's their goal. Yeah. You know, Just get I- it all out. <clears throat> when I think of you and I, and I look at you and your life and all the things that you've done and you've mapped out, it's so impressive how you've adapted to life and you've come to the same place that I have in that. And I truly believe this a true mass self mastery. And that's really the only element that we can control, right? We can't control the weather. We can't control the government. We can't control anything, but we control ourselves. We can't control our spouses. We can't control our kids, <laughs> you know? But we can control ourselves and our own emotions. And when you come to the place where you can take your own heart and hand it to somebody and say, here it is, and expect them to either stick a fork in it 
<laughs> or see the truth behind it. And it doesn't matter to you either way, but you have yeah. hopes that they'll, they'll get it. Yeah. And I think that what you're trying to do in this endeavor and in your whole life is just to get people to listen, to get people to grow and to get people to change. You know, as you're evolving and this thing isn't so much about safety, you know, safety struggles about safety, but it's about more than that. Yeah. And it's about the depth of life and the willingness to look within and change and grow. And there's so many people hungry for that right now in our country. And there's so few outlets that are genuine. And here you're saying, I'm not only wanting to do that for people and provide that for people, but I want to do it in such a way that doesn't necessarily benefit me. If it does in the long run, great. That's not what this is about for me. And that is the purest sense of wanting to do more for your fellow man. And I think that's, I just I feel like, I feel like it should be like, oh, <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, yeah, I do put my heart out there and I do expect people to either stick a fork in it or accept it. Um, I'm not going to say it doesn't pain me when they do stick a fork in it because it, it, it does, it does pain me because it's taken me a long time to not hide that. Right. And it's also taken me a long time to shed the parts of myself that I really didn't like, you know? And so, you know, I, I protected myself and protected myself with achievement Yeah. over the years, protected myself with achievement. <laughs> right. And now Not I'm saying, wrong, you know, the achievement in itself, it, it, got, it got me where I am. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was a good vehicle. Yeah. Um, what, was it good for my heart? Was it good for my soul? I mean, I, I think, you know, it is what it is, right? We get where we're going. We, we have to be by on a wing and a prayer and, and you know, some string that looks like it's going to break. But um, what I want to do now is, is shed the achievement, right? The achievement for me is to, to make a difference. Yeah. I would rather, and this goes also with, with um, not being a legend, but, but building a legacy. I would rather somebody remember me, not by name, but by a feeling. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I mean, I, and I get that from, I had a grandmother um, and, and also a mother who's still with us, but, but who, when I think of them, it's a feeling. Yeah. 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 There's great memories. There's, there's great things about that. But, but when I think of my grandmother, I smile. When I think of my grandmother, I think of a cardinal landing in a tree. When I think of my grandmother, I think of a warm, su warm summer day yeah. and a, and a bowl of cherries laying yeah. on a hill. And so, you know, I, I don't care if they say Linda Martin when they, when they feel those things, but I hope that they carry that with it themselves and they give it to somebody else because boy, isn't it great when you have that where your chest is too small for your heart? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, that whole uh, ideology of building a legacy that will far surpass your legend. It's something that perpetuates itself. I just don't, I, man, I, I, I just was a very angry kid. You know, we've talked about that and, and that anger perpetuated itself. And so, for me, man, the more love that I share with people, even though they don't reciprocate or maybe they stick that fork in it, I'm just in that place now where I don't care because mm -hmm. I'm going to do it anyway. 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't benefit me financially. It doesn't benefit, but it benefits my soul. Yeah. And um, I think it's powerful where you've come to in your life. But if you look back, you've been doing it all along and now you're able to articulate it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm lucky in that respect that, you know, I, I've had some aha moments yeah. over the last several years. And um, I'm not going to say that those aha moments were pain-free. I mean, no. they were worse. They were worse than sticking a fork in it by a million times. Oh yeah. Um, with a lot of tears and a lot of heartache, but um, I don't know if you know Leonard Cohen, right? Mm-hmm. And his famous line in, in his in his song is, uh, "There is a there is a crack in everything, but mm-hmm. that's how the light gets in." Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of damn cracks in my heart, right? And a few fork sticks. Yeah. But but it makes me who I am. It does. It it breeds compassion. It it breeds know? compassion. Or bitterness. And you've chosen well, compassion. Yes. Yes. But um, you know, a lot of times when you come from a of 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 a place of fragility, right? Mm. And you come from a place where there's those cracks where the light gets in, it, it makes that, it just, it just makes your heart grow. Yeah. It makes your heart stronger. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, I'm not going to say it still doesn't hurt at the same time because it does. Right. Yeah. My heart still hurts for a lot of things. Sure. Um, but I want a legacy, Michael. Yeah. Me too. And you can't build that without, without showing your humanity. Yep. It's true. And you can't carry that stuff. You're not strong enough. And you're pulling at this weight of the hurt. You know, I, I, I had a client once that said, you know, I want to, and this was many years ago. He said, I want to talk to you about my childhood. And I said, okay, if you think you need to, that's fine. But I want to go from where you are right now. Yeah. Because really the behavior that you're having right now, there's no excuses for it. Mm-hmm. And this is what I mean by that. And that's going to hurt and upset a lot of people. But the fact of the matter is you're still choosing. You're still choosing to make these choices in your life. And though these things affected you, we need to start from where we are right now and own the behavior and move forward from where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Allow that past to grow you instead mm-hmm. of continue to drag you down with hate and hurt and bitterness. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard place for humans. It's easy for people who are on the other side to kind of say that, but, and, and who have been able to do it. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that are in their 70s and their 80s and their 90s right now that are so hateful <laughs> and mean, and they've allowed the hurts of the world to just, it's like, you know, they stick the fork in it, but instead of taking it out, they just keep it in there. They keep yeah. wallowing it around, you know? <laughs> it's just like, why are you doing that? That, hurt, that hurts just, just watching you do that. Yeah. With, you, know. <laughs> you know? So, I don't know, Linda. I just, I so appreciate you. and. I um I try to keep this around 30 minutes or so for my people, especially when we first start out. But if people wanted to follow you or contact you or anything like that, first of all, <laughs> I didn't know you wrote books. So I want, what are the titles of the books? Let's hear that. <laughs> the Supervisor Safety Manual. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that boring? No. Um, I write textbooks, Michael. Okay, so- you write textbooks. So, so that's what, that's what I write. I, I edited a, a textbook for the National Safety Council and now I'm under contract with Wiley Publishing for um, three 
soon to be four textbooks. Uh, they're intense. on field field safety, uh, construction cybersecurity. Jeez. Um, the third one is uh, prevention through design um, from an in- engineer's and a safety perspective. And then the fourth one is going to be on transportation safety, like all transportation. Like, Yeah, I can't you believe know, you're talking to us right now. This is metro. A, you know, so. yeah, no, I haven't started the books. I did a lot of Christmasing. Yeah, and so yeah. now's the time to do that. So, mm-hmm. so that, that's the book thing. Um, okay, and then? And then um, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, you can email me at lfmartinphd at gmail.com. Hopefully it'll be all good things that <laughs> you email me, but, but that's okay. I've got a spam there. filter. Um, I run the Safety Struggle podcast, which is on Spotify, Google, Apple, anywhere that you can download podcasts. You can also go on the uh, www.safetystruggle.com website and listen to it there. Or on my LinkedIn page, you can listen to it there. And I'm just starting SoundForge Digital, which is www.soundforgedigital.com. And pretty soon you'll be seeing some of those new podcasts come online that um, are coming under that, that free 99 umbrella. Yeah. So that's me in a nutshell, Mr. Mr. Michael Bowman, who um, I just adore. Hey, right. I adore you. you. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you taking the time and, and, and not wanting to uh, kill me for the, (laughs) (laughs) you want to be on the podcast tomorrow? I like like talking anytime. And so, yeah, and this won't be the last time. I guarantee that for sure. And guys, I just, I can't say this enough. The Safety Struggle Podcast, not only is it one of the raddest logos out there, you're so good at marketing stuff. I wish, you know, I had the consistency that you do. But guys, listen to me. It's not just about safety. This is amazing, especially if you want to get in the safety field. It is about the heartbeat of safety, the soul of safety, but it's also about life. And man, and she has heavy hitters on here. Okay, Linda has heavy hitters on this podcast that are always going to help you to move forward in your career and your life. Um, I'm super excited about the channel that you're building and humbled that you would be on here. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, we are brought to you by Bowman Legacies, making life better for one seat, making life better for the blue collar people, one CEO at a time. You got me flabbergasted. And we're also brought to you by Grizz Waller, who is writing a Western sci-fi novel, actually has written a Western sci-fi novel series called Selfish Acts of Righteous Men, a uh, sci-fi Western action thriller that will put you on your ear. He does not use the word ear, but I have brought, I'll use that word. Um, (laughs) It is a good one. I really enjoy it. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, man, build that legacy that will far surpass your legend.